Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Tone. What up? And then also with us today, we got Dan. What's happening, Captain? What's going on, fellas? No, I think we all said this, like, various versions of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, he did the baseline with the what's up, and me and you just added to it a little bit. Give it a little falsetto. <laughs> you know? yep. It's been a while, man. Feels good to be back. Back in Soundsmith Studios. Hell yeah. First episode back. You want to kick us off, Tom? What do you got to drink today? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm drinking a uh, Voodoo Ranger Juice Force IPA. It's a 9.5. You're like, I ain't been on in a while. Yeah. I'm going high, yeah. high gravity. Mm-hmm. As <laughs> always, the Voodoo Rangers are delicious. I feel like I say this a lot, but I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but Voodoo Rangers is like uh, the Cheerios of beer. You just forget how many they are till you're sitting in the st- in the cereal aisle, and you're like, <laughs> "How many of these motherfuckers?" Like, yeah. Voodoo Ranger came out with a shit ton. They come out with so many, you forget that New Belgium's uh, flagship was Fat Tire. Hell yeah! Well, so Dan, I almost actually grabbed your beer, um, so I'm glad I didn't. Don't be touching my beer. <laughs> what uh, what do you got to drink? I got uh some Christmas ale. Because tis the season, and this is the reason to be drinking. And it's from uh, Great Lakes Brewing, which is from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Same place as Bone Thugs and Harmony. So <laughs> nothing says Christmas like that bone, ba bone, bone, bone. Since we were just thugs and harmonizing with our intro, it <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes perfect sense. And it's a 7.5, which is still a high one, but... For me, not as high. Anton had to show me up with the 9%. Word. Well, I got... We've had it on the show before, the Odd Sides Bean Flicker. Yep. But with it being Christmas time, I got this uh, cinnamon vanilla. Oh, yeah? How's that? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I probably shouldn't have went with a coffee beer at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. So I'll regret that when I get home. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, it's only four five, 4.5% alcohol. Okay. So, You're so fucking old. It's 8 o'clock at night. I don't know if I can have a coffee here. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well, that that kind of takes the shine off the thugs in harmony uh, yeah, aspect of the conversation. You would never make it in the land of the heartless. <laughs> so how's it taste, though? Does it flick your bean? Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Might be better than the original bean flicker. Like they, the the right. The coffee, just a straight coffee one? Yeah, it might. I don't know. They're both good. I might just be saying this one's better because it's what I'm drinking now, mm-hmm. but it's pretty fucking good, man. I'd highly recommend it. More two thumbs up. All right. Before we get started, I got to make sure I take the time to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can follow him on Instagram at Sixfo, it's F O E, Sixfo Sueno. I also want to thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid roll. 
Um, you can go follow us on Instagram or TikTok on bad, at Bad Guy Podcast. We're on Twitter at the Bad Guy Pod. Uh, say hello to the Bad Guy Podcast on Facebook. And if you can't find any of that, just go to the website, badguypodcast.com, and you can click all the links through there. So we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Francis William Sutton Jr. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. All right. A whole lot of names going with this guy. Usually the more names, the more violent. So, Willie Sutton, a.k.a. Willie the Actor, a.k.a. Slick Willie. A.k.a. I feel like I know this name. Willie Sutton seems like a very popular name. You'll probably remember it. Well, I know for sure you'll remember it at some point in the story. Word. Willie Sutton was born July 30th, 1901 in Brooklyn, New York, in Irish Towns area now called Vinegar Hill. He was the fourth of five kids. He dropped out after the eighth grade to go to work and left home. So he leaves home, gets a job, but at a young age, he uh, ends up gravitating towards a life of crime. I read somewhere that he would, uh, through the course of his life, he'd never spend more than 18 months working legitimately. Mm. We'll go figure a guy that drops out and goes, starts, you fuck up when you move out on your own. Go get a job, everything when you're young. That's cool. Going to move out. That's not a good time. Stay at home, have your mom cook your dinners and shit, have no bills, get tucked in. <laughs> Somebody to leave your door cracked just right so the light comes in so you're not scared. It's it's the eighth grade, he might have still been getting tucked in, he's yeah. pretty fucking young. Yeah. So, he gets arrested for the first time in Poughkeepsie, New York on February 16th, 1919. He gets arrested for a February 4th burglary where he stole $16,000 from a safe in a Brooklyn manufacturer's office and then fled upstate. Damn, that escalated quickly. Uh, So that's about $273,000 equivalent modern day. Damn. So they find him about two weeks later upstate, and then they end up finding out that the manufacturer's daughter was actually dating Willie's accomplice, mm. and she gave him the safe uh, combination. Oh, shit. And how old was his accomplice? They were 18 and 19. She was 16. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was still imagining he was, like, 15 13, or something. 13. Like, how they catch him. I don't know. There's this kid living upstate. <laughs> it was like the movie Blank Check. He just had a water slide coming out the back <laughs> of his house and shit. That is kind of how they got caught. So, yeah, there was yeah, three I mean, of them. They were young. They got $16,000. On the way up there, they stopped and bought a they bought a new car <laughs> and then drove that the rest of the way up there. And they caught them. They caught them with $13,000 in a brand new car. It's like that movie uh, Hard Knocks. The two stoners, like, find the bag of money. And, like, everyone knows they found the bag of money because they were just high in 7-Eleven, like, just buying them out of all their Doritos and Slim Jims and, like, <laughs> were caught on brand new rollerblades and shit. People were like, these potheads get the money and they right. just put to That's how they caught this guy. Like, he just had brand new skateboards and shit. Like, he was living a 12-year-old's dream. Right. Like, these motherfuckers, this is, like, the early 1900s, right? Yeah, 1919. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They just seen these motherfuckers on the streets doing nothing, and now you're driving a brand new car. Right, when, like, adults don't have cars. <laughs> <Right>. and shit. <laughs> so, in 
So her father finds out that his daughter's involved, so he ends up having to drop the charges, and uh, Willie Sutton ends up getting off with a suspended sentence. Lucky. But that taste of money got away pretty easy with it, so that kind of pushed him towards pursuing a criminal lifestyle even harder. That's funny. He's like, like, all I got to do is not get caught. (laughs) (laughs) Up until that part, it was really fun. (laughs) Well, no, that's fucked up. They're like... Oh, she gave you guys the codes? You guys the codes? Oh, well then, you guys aren't so bad. <laughs> like. By 1924, Willie Sutton's running with a burglary crew ran by Doc Tate, who was a top safe cracker in the country, and he becomes Willie's mentor. And he starts teaching them how to crack safes, different methods of burglary, all the tricks of the trade of stealing for a living. And... They committed burglaries throughout Boston, Philadelphia, Connecticut, and New York. In 1925, the Pinkertons got called for $500 that got stolen from a safe. When they investigated, they found Willie Sutton working there under an (laughs) alias. And uh, they found him as the chief suspect and didn't find enough evidence and ended up having to let him go, even though they knew he did it. (laughs) October 29th, 1925... Uh, Willie gets arrested for the attempted burglary of a First National Bank in Ozone Park. So he had left behind. He was trying to break into a safe. He ended up, got startled. Him and his buddy had to run off. And he left behind, like, a torch and uh, some lockpicking tools. Uh And then they ended up catching him. And he got busted for attempted burglary. But then all the tools that he had were illegal. He ended up getting sentenced to five to ten years in Danmora prison. Mm, got him on something. He was described as a little bright-eyed guy, just five seven and always talking, chain-smoking cigarettes with Bull Durham tobacco. He was known to dispense mounds of legal vice to any convict that was willing to listen. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just this little guy sitting there smoking a tobacco. Like, hey, what's up? What are you in for? You know they can't get you for that. According to statute 105, what do you got? Like, <laughs> just spouting off shit to people. Right. Anybody have a question? Like, then why are you in here? So all the mafia guys really liked having him around. He was described as uh, witty and nonviolent. So they just thought he was fun and they didn't have to worry about him. So they're like, I oh, just love this little fucking guy. Come, <laughs> come on, Willie, you little scamp. Come hang out with us. A little pause for the cause. This is that uh, Clout King peanut butter cups? Mm. You get that a lot. Well, I, I go to the Pleasant Trees in Lincoln Park, and they just have, like, killer fucking deals all the time. Oh. And, uh, yeah, those were buy one, get one. Okay. So. That tastes good. I figured it's a studio episode. You haven't been on a while, and I didn't get another. I didn't get a drink to share. So, I figured. It's all good. Clout King pre-roll, man. Oh, yeah. So his time's actually fairly easy. He doesn't have any problems in prison. And then he ends up getting paroled for good behavior on September 6, 1929. So how, how many years did he do? About four. Yeah. Four out of ten, huh? Got off again. Slick Willie, huh? Yep. <laughs> so he gets paroled out. He marries a lady named Louise Ludeman. And the next year they have a daughter, Jeannie. And this seems like it's probably his uh, longest stretch of trying to be... Legit, because it, it lasted till about March 15th, 1930. Started having problems at home. 
So I was guessing needed some money. Turns out ladies are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> ladies and babies are expensive. It's like I I got to get back out here. I think it might even been more spontaneous than that because uh, March fifteenth, nineteen thirty, the Will- manufacturer's daughter just gave him the codes again. And he <laughs> help himself. Uh, Willie and his friend smash a jewelry store window, grab $2,000 worth of jewelry, and take off running. That is pretty spontaneous. This guy's on his way to banks for sure, though. That is a big switch up, though, from being, like, a safe cracker to, like, hey, let's just throw this shit through the window. (laughs) Like, that went from finesse to just brute shit real quick. I'm sure you probably think it's cheesy, but one of my favorite lines from Gone in 60 Seconds... At the very beginning, G- Giovanni Rabizi, he's going to go steal that car. He's like, ah, I got to go back and get my tool. <laughs> and then he uh, opens the trunk and grabs that brick. Yeah. And throws it through the window. <laughs> well, he did learn getting caught with fucking burglary tools yeah, will get you in big like, trouble. Who, who needs lockpicks? I mean, I would say that seems unnecessary. So there's a window you got to break and there's nothing heavy around to throw. And you're like, fuck, I knew I had a perfectly good brick at home. I knew I should have packed it. So that one stupid little crime, it's like the uh the Frank the Tank moment. That when it hits your lips, it's so good. <laughs> and he's like, dude, I really love stealing shit. I think that's what I want to move back towards doing. So. I mean, that really is. They say like thieving is almost like a drug, breaking the law and all that. So he's kind of like an addict and he just relapsed once he did it. There's no going back. On the morning of March 22nd, Willie entered a jewelry store posing as a customer. So he goes in there, and he's talking to the people, and he pulls a gun on the owner. His three accomplices come in. They uh, tie him up, and they take off with $30,000 worth of gems. Damn. Well, I guess he found out which way's easier. You throw shit through and just get away with a little bit of shit. Take your time. Wave a gun around. Get a lot more. It would have been like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars then, right? You yep. said sixteen thousand was like two, two something. Yeah, it was almost three. It was like two seventy nine. So yeah, that's about double that. So we're talking about it's about half a million dollars so, in twenty twenty two spent. What did he buy this time? <laughs> May f- fuck a day job then. <laughs> now I see why he keeps on going back. So this would become his new method. This is like his go to just arm robbery. Yeah. Um, well, not just the arm robbery. So through this whole spring, and I'm not going to put them all down because there's like so many robberies that they committed. Like, I can't, I'm not just going to sit here and read like, yeah. and, then, and then on March 29th, and right. then on April, but uh, I, I got some, I got some of the highlights, but <laughs> the, the kind of game plan they came up with was they'd, they'd survey the places and know what they're doing. And then they'd show up real early in the morning, first thing in the morning. And they just wear disguises. So they dress as vendors, customers, uh, cops, you name it. They just dress up as anything, and they'd show up early, pull some guns on them, and uh, rob the place. They were sold in this method. On May 5th, they lobbed a a London character shoe store. When the manager showed up at 8.05, they complained and talked shit to him the whole time he was opening up the store <laughs> until he got it open, and then they shoved him in there and pulled the gun on him and robbed him. Nice. Also, when they were, they were bitching, like, they were customers, yeah. like, waiting so you, in line for him to open up. You, you, you get them all stressed and shit already. 
And then you fucking rob his ass. Oh, that's fucking great. (laughs) He's like, ah, fuck, I gotta deal with these motherfuckers. They got places to be, man. They're trying to rob you and get the fuck (laughs) out. All right? It's called professionalism. All right. What we're going to do, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
All right, we're back. On October 28th, 1930, they rob a J. Rosenthal and Son jewelry store. So Willie shows up at 7.45 a.m. disguised as a telegraph messenger, and he knocks on the door. Guy sees a telegraph messenger, comes and opens the door. Willie Sutton pulls the gun on him, pushes him in, forces his way in, and all his accomplices come in behind him. So then, as the employees showed up for work, they'd have them let the employees in one at a time. They'd let them in, they'd put them in the back, they'd tie them up, and they'd just have them wait until the manager showed up that could let them into the vault. So... Man, they're having a real problem with people's punctuality lately. <laughs> oh, just because this guy's middle management, he just thinks he can take all day to get in here? <laughs> We've got a place to be. Everybody else shows up here on time. Look at the vault. It's fucking packed. Look at all these people. <laughs> Clocked in. They were here. Who the fuck's this manager, huh? Your old fucking staff's here, bro. He has important telegrams over here. He doesn't know it's not real. You can have important messages, and he's just here lollygagging. So the, the victims and his robberies, they called him a gentleman robber. He would always dress real nice. He would wear, like, tailored suits and stuff. It sounds like he just lay back, just <laughs> likes to talk shit. Like, and he trying to hurt no one. He's just like, hey, man, I can't keep a real job. I, I don't know why, but this guy just sounds like, a, like just a hillbilly. Like, hey, man, I can't keep a good job, man. I'm just over here trying <laughs> he's, to make he's, he's a like, He's like the robber <laughs> <laughs> that's sitting there talking to you while his homeboys are just cleaning you out and shit. He's just, you know, I ain't gonna mean no harm. But don't take it personal, man. I mean, we got mouse feed too. You got money in your pocket. I know it sucks, man. Trust me, I get it. I've been broke. It sucks, but I mean, hey, this kind of shit happens sometimes. It's like the bumper sticker on a car. Oh, you don't have a car, man. When I was like seventeen, this chick gave me a code to a safe. Took money. I got me a sweet ass car, man. See, he needs to, one of his AKA should just be the personable criminal. One person compared it to, they said, it was like going to the theater and the usher had a machine gun. I'm just going to need you to go ahead and take your seat over here. Right there. Right. They showed up at 7.45 a.m. The manager showed up and they had him open the vault. By 9.15, they had left with $129,000 worth of jewelry. See, this sounds almost like that movie of Bandits with Kevin Costner and Billy Bob Thornton, but they used to stay overnight with the manager, I think. But it sounds like, like, just get along with them, don't want to cause no trouble, just, hey, we got guns, watch your shit, everybody be cool about it, and that's it. So this part, it all seems a little iffy, so we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. So... We'll do this together, Tom. Yeah. Are you ready? Hold my hand, man. <laughs> Hold my band. So his partner on this one is a guy named Marcus Bassett, right? So now they got a shitload of money. And Marcus Bassett goes upstate to go visit his mistress. All right, so far, checks out. Okay. So on November 25th, detectives follow Bassett's wife. They're following her to find Marcus to arrest him. And she shows up and meets Willie Sutton, who is also married. So they're like, well, that's not Marcus Bassett, but we want, he's the other guy. So we'll still grab him. Okay. So then they go arrest him. And then they end up finding Marcus Bassett upstate anyways. So they arrested Willie Sutton while he was with his partner's (laughs) wife, while his partner was upstate with his mistress. Oh, yeah. 
That's like tracking a buck and shooting a buck on the <laughs> way to the original buck you're hunting. So he gets arrested eating breakfast. He gets convicted of first-degree robbery, and he's sentenced to 30 years in Sing Sing. Good old Sing Sing. Prison so nice, they named it twice. <laughs> um, so he's he's definitely hitting the tour, too. He's been to fucking uh, Dan Mora and Sing Sing. Like, all the shit New York prisons. He's been to the tombs. Um, well, that's a, he's not a criminal. He just likes to check it out. He's a prison tourist. Prison tourist. Where are you going next year? <laughs> oh, I would like to summer in Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to prison. His wife divorces him. Oh, he... what? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, fuck this. I got to get the fuck out of prison. This is the same wife that yeah. he had a child with? Yeah. Oh, wow. So... On December 11th, 1932, Willie and another prisoner used smuggled hacksaw blades to cut through one of the bottom bars and get out of their cell. Once they were out, Willie was able to pick the locks through the doors to get to the basement where they surprised a trustee and then gagged him and tied him up, mm-hmm. threw him in the basement. I tell you what, his plans, I mean, it's really simplicity at its finest. They're not the most complicated plans, but they just work perfectly. Like, Hey, you want to break out? Yeah, how we can do it? I don't know. Let's get us some saws and saw these bars. He's just, just sneak up like, on a guy and tie him up. Chance and luck. Yeah. <laughs> See how that goes. Hey, you can go this way or that way. <laughs> like his whole relapse was like, hey, that's some cool shit on the other side of this glass. <laughs> yes, yeah, break that glass and grab it. And then since then he's like, all right, let's just wait for them to show up. All right, everybody's here till the good guy shows up. All right, we can take your shit. It's a very simple plan. Simple but effective. So what he did was he had found a piece of the the wall that was so high that they didn't have a guard tower by it. So him and this other guy went and took two ladders, and they lashed them together with wires hmm. and went and stuck it out there and st- stood it up on the wall and climbed over and <laughs> jumped into a waiting car and bounced out. <laughs> And that's how the extension ladder was. <laughs> so now, I mean, he is out of prison, but he needs money. Mm-hmm. See, know? right there, simplicity. Hey, that wall's too big. We ain't got a ladder tall enough. I don't know. Let's tie two ladders together. Simplicity. Yeah. He's a really good problem solver, too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he has a problem, hey. <laughs> I got a simple solution. That'll actually come back. That's, I feel like that's a key theme of this story. Yeah, I feel for sure. Hey, like a wise woman once said, why you got to make things so complicated? <laughs> so now he, he breaks out of prison on December 11th. On December 15th, him and four buddies run into a manufacturer's trust company. And this one is not their typical model. They go in there. They go in there with guns and tear bombs and uh, they grab $13,000 and throw off a tear gas bomb and then bounce out and jump in a car. And they, you, so that was three days later. Yeah. They put that plan together. Three days. Damn. I don't know why they started to go like, with bombs hey, and shit. Hey, we just going to do this? I like to think they just came across some tear gas and they're like, oh, fuck it. You know what we should do? Yeah. And then they did the whole crime and they didn't get a chance to light it off. Like, 
fuck, we still got this tear gas. What do you want to do? Fuck, let's just set one off and leave. <laughs> they tried to make it like uh, the ninja bomb. You know, yeah. you drop it and then bounce out in the spoke and shit. <laughs> Batman like, and shit. Sutton out. <laughs> hey, if we convince the judge somebody just gave us these tear gases, then legally it's not our fault. Trust me, I went through this when I was like 18. <laughs> so this is another time when he goes through a big tear of uh, robberies. Can't list them all, but there was this weird, there was a chain of banks called the Corn Exchange Bank. You got corn, we got money. <laughs> Let's trade. Well, and he seemed to really fucking fancy the uh, corn exchange banks. It's so. owned by John Davis and Fieldy. Um, doom, we do your finance. So he robbed one of them disguised as a police officer. He walked in at 740 in the morning, walked in, out at 855 with $23,000. He tried this other one where he goes in as a postal delivery man, right? So they go with the normal plan. It's a corn exchange bank, goes as a postal delivery man. He uh, grips up this guard, Christian Madsen, rushes in, gets him. They tie everybody up. They catch the employees as they come in. They go through everything. And then at some point when they're almost done, Christian Madsen gets out and... uh, he grabs a smoke bomb and throws it off and then goes Damn, and sets okay, the alarm. Smoke bombs is or the tear now. gas. He yeah, throws okay. the tear gas bomb <laughs> and he grabs it and throws it off. And shit. Right. There's a slight <laughs> difference between the two. Yeah. but and, uh, and then everybody starts freaking out and running around and then uh, they end up having to flee and run around. They leave the rivalry with nothing and shit because <laughs> the security guard threw a tear gas. They're one of their tear gas bombs at them and shit. Damn. But he's like... <laughs> they were pissed. like, damn, I wanted to do that. <laughs> so, Willie Sutton was like, fuck. But that's the one, though. We still need to get that one. So he goes back to that same bank on January 15th, 1934. <laughs> Couldn't let it go. <laughs> it's like it's a bank robbing uh, video game. And since he failed, he just has to redo that right. level. Right. Like it don't, it don't matter if he gets that. it don't matter if he gets caught afterwards. Just as long <laughs> as he makes out with the money. But I see why they call him the actor. He just plays all <laughs> these different roles to rob people. <laughs> this time he says, "What we do? They obviously won't open the door for us again. They'd be stupid <laughs> if they did that." So at night, they broke into the skylight and dropped down, and they just waited in the bank all through the night. And uh, they waited in there. And then at 740, when Christian Madsen walked into work, they locked the door behind him and held him up with uh, handguns and machine guns. And then... uh, He's like, I forgot to drop your package off. And he made them fucking, uh, you know... Let up, made them let in all the employees and shit, and uh, they end up making off with twenty one thousand dollars. <laughs> Damn! Imagine that guy. He just unlocks her, do 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 do, like just unlocks, walks in, flicks on the light, and these guys just jump out at you out of fucking nowhere. Ah! <laughs> he probably thought he was badass, right? Yeah. Like he fucking Rambo stopped the fucking burglary. Mm-hmm. Fucking through the fucking tear gas bomb. Right. He thinks he's fucking king shit of bank security. And then you walk in and turn on the lights, and they're all there with their machine guns and shit. <laughs> I hope soon as he realized what's going on, they go, 
Yeah, where's your tear gas now? <laughs> <laughs> now use can't gas. So, Christian Madsen, for, for sure, ID him now. He's got robbed by him twice. Mm-hmm. So, the authorities are furious. They're like, you gotta be fucking shitting me. He's robbed every corn exchange bank, and he robbed this one twice. fucking twice. <laughs> so, they put out, like, this world, this uh, nationwide manhunt and shit. And there's no reason why, like, he just wanted to rob corn banks. <laughs> he, he robbed a lot of banks. I think maybe that just might have been a big branch that he found, like, a leak in or something. Because, oh. like I said, there was a whole bunch of other, like, failed attempts or, you know, different robberies and stuff like that. That was just... Oh, yeah, you're giving us the yeah. highlights, the big yeah. hitters. He robbed about fucking, I don't know, Warren. that they have, like, confirmed sources on, like, 17 different fucking places. And it's a lot. So I just figured I'd give you the Corn Exchange Bank trio because <laughs> he really fucking liked those ones. Those are the ones that uh, he put that extra umph in. Your normal credit union robberies? Fuck that. That's not even worth talking about. Tear gas ain't even involved. They're probably more of a challenge for him because, you know, he came at this one twice, so. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of those just run-through levels. He's like, this fucking Christian Madsen ain't getting the best of me, man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Fuck that. So, they put out this manhunt, and uh, they're looking upstate New York. They're looking in rural communities and stuff. They end up finding him February 6, 1934. They found him in a Philadelphia apartment living with his new lo- new wife, Irene, under the aliases Richard and Jean Courtney. Mm. So she, his wife had a alias as well? Yeah, his new wife. So yeah. she must have been... She knew about what was going yeah, on. She was down well, for hey, the if business. you're going to be with Slick Willie Sutton, yeah. you're going to have a name or two. Yeah. I tried to go with a straight wife. She left me the second I got arrested. Right. <laughs> That's, like, one of the first things he said, like, hey, listen, if we're going to get married, you got to promise me I go to prison, which is a very good possibility, <laughs> you're not going to run off. That's that's in his prenuptial, like, that's his prenup. <laughs> Sutton gets sentenced to 25 to 50 years in the Eastern State Penitentiary. <laughs> Don't leave me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Uh, in 1935, they bring him back in, and they give him a life sentence as a fourth-time offender. Damn, a life sentence, huh? Yeah. All right, maybe you can leave me, bitch. <laughs> 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 Unless they got a ladder or two I can tie together. I might well, be yeah, able to I mean, that's some... his only option, yeah. so I'm sure this is what's about to happen. Hey, I'm sorry I called you bitch <laughs> once or twice. Do, can, you, can you mail me a hat? Hey, baby. hey, baby, I'll be out in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a hacksaw sized handbag by any chance? (laughs) But in Eastern State Penn, he was considered uh, like a wise old head. He hung out with the mobsters and shit. All the mob guys liked him. He did a bunch of time. He was well respected. And uh, he never worried about, he never had to watch his back because he was always protected by mafia friends. So even though he was really never connected or anything, they literally just liked him in prison where they were just like, I don't know. They just thought he was a cool guy. Well, it sounds like, yeah, he's a, like, entertaining, personable guy. And there's one thing you can say about mobsters. They had an eye for entertainment. Like, all the great entertainers, they they had a part in them. Yeah, Frank Sinatra, fucking all the Rat Pack guys. Yeah. So what we're going to do is that's going to be the end of part one 
of the Willie Sutton story. So come back next week, and uh, we'll finish up the story of Slick Willie. To the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming in last place. Uh, Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy, the good guy coming in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And, and I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So I don't money grabbed a hundred hams. I done money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. And her ass fake And she in love with the bad guy But bad bitches never act right She act up into that bag fly She did a turn around in one night Say hello to the bad guy The good guy come in last place You smell that dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Come in last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.